You're listening to a sermon from Hebron Baptist Church, a church in the northern Kentucky Cincinnati area that's committed to making disciples who make disciples. We want our love for God to be evident in our lives and for the Word of God to bear fruit as we go on mission across the street and around the globe. We hope after hearing this message, you'll connect with us on our website at hebronbaptist.org and visit our campus, not far from I-275 in Hebron, some Sunday morning. Our worship services are at 9.30 or 11. And now, here's a message from God's perfect, life-changing Word. Romans 15, verse 14. Those of us who have been maybe visiting for the first time or uh, we are have new to us, we have been reading through the whole Bible together. Uh, and so we kind of walked through the, all of Scripture. We've landed here in Romans this past week. We read the passages together. On uh, the end of the week, we talk about them in our life groups and then as a sermon. And so today, we find ourselves here at the end of Romans learning about finding our purpose in life. And in kind of this mini-series that we're doing, On the Move, we have seen Christ come. He was raised to life. He went to sit at the right, to sit at the right hand of the Father. And through the Holy Spirit within us, uh, an amazing thing happened. Lives were changed. The church was birthed. And we read through the book of Acts all the way through to the end to Revelation that the church was on the move. The Christians were living for him, that they were, they were living to find people, glorify him. And, it, and it, I, I believe all of this kind of leads up to this question, what is my purpose in all of this? You know, we can see the church's purpose. We can see how we interact as Christians and what we're supposed to do together. But what is it my purpose? What is it my role? What am I supposed to do for God's mission on the move? Well, today I pray that we answer that through God's word. And so let's read beginning in verse 14 to verse 21 together. Beginning verse 14, my brothers and sisters, I myself am convinced about you that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. Nevertheless, I have written to remind you more boldly on some points because of the grace God, the grace given me by God to be the minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, serving as a priest of the gospel of God. My purpose is that the Gentiles may be an acceptable offering sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I have reason to boast in Christ Jesus regarding what pertains to God. For I would not dare say anything except what Christ has accomplished through me by word and deed for the obedience of the Gentiles, by the power of the miraculous signs and wonders, and by the power of God's Spirit. As a result, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ from Jerusalem all the way around Illyricum. My aim is to preach the gospel where Christ has not been named so that I will not build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who were not told about him will see and those who have not heard will understand. Let us pray. God, as we have sang 
change our hearts. God, as we have sang, change our hearts. God, through your word, change our hearts. This we pray. Amen. I was reading recently some statistics on what teens want or the desires that they hold for their future. I was a little surprised by the outcome because many of them that I thought would be at the top of the list were actually at the bottom of the list. So I'm going to read you some that were actually at the bottom of the list that might be surprising. From the the lowest, only 18% listed that they desired to achieve fame or public recognition. Only 25% said that they would want to work in a high-paying job. Verse 27% said owning the latest household technology and electronic equipment. 28% said their goal or for their future would be owning a large home. Very small percentage, only about a quarter, one in four would say that. So what is the highest? Well, I'm just going to go from the lowest or kind of the top five will go up. 77% that they have want having a clear purpose for living. 82% said they want to have one marriage partner for life. 84% said they want, like to have close personal friendships. 88% say we have a college degree. And 96%, 96% said that their most important desire for their future is to make a difference in the world. Now, having those two, having a clear purpose and making a difference in the world, I would say that's very important because it doesn't matter if you're a teenager or you're 82. You want to know the answer to that question. What is the purpose for my life? It's hard for us sometimes knowing what it is what we feel that God wants us to have. How awesome would it be if you could just clearly know what that is? Imagine if I were were able to say, you know, have an envelope for every person and say, uh, I know exactly, I can say beyond a shadow of a doubt what your clear purpose in life is. If the word got out, boy, it would probably be very popular and be something that everybody would want to know because it is clear from the world that maybe we're still wandering or meandering around to know what that is. What if I could say beyond a shadow of a doubt that I could say by God's hand through Jesus Christ witnessed by even the angel Gabriel that I know what your purpose in life is. Well, Paul gives us a sneak peek of what the purpose of every believer is, his life might not be exactly what yours is, but the role or the goal of his life helped define everything that he did. You see, as you read Romans 15, you see that he had a clear personal calling, a clear path, a clear purpose, A clear goal. Look at these personal phrases. Verse 15, grace given to me for God's ministry. Verse 16, my offering. Verse 17, my work for God. Verse 18, what Christ has accomplished through me. Verse 19, I have fulfilled my ministry, my ambition in verse 29. In verse 20, my aim. 
There is a clear understanding that Paul has that he knows what his purpose is. What is it? Well, for Paul, it is, he has landed on this statement. My aim is to preach the gospel where Christ has not been named. Now, Paul had kind of meandered around as his purpose. It almost started almost like a, a funnel, very big and has worked its way to something very specific. When he was originally called, we see and read in verse Acts that he was to be a minister to the Gentiles. And he started to answer that in many different ways. He, went, he would go into towns and he would show up at the synagogues and he'd preach the gospel and some would get saved and then he would work from the synagogues and then he would go out from the synagogues and, and reach Gentiles and they would come to faith and he would start a church and he would encourage the church and he would plant the church and he would then move on. But as it was more clear to him what his purpose is, maybe even after the Jerusalem council, he didn't start in the synagogues, he would start at the city gates. We know where the philosophies and the, and the, and the people who uh, would argue the, the, the purpose and the mindset of the day, he would go there first. He would glorify and proclaim Christ there among the Gentiles, clearly in a public way, hoping that God would save some, and that's what would happen. God would save some, and then people would start a church, and in the same way, he would build it, and he would grow it, and he would nurture it, and then he would leave, and someone else would caretake for it. And now here we see in Romans, towards the end of his ministry, toward later in ministry, uh, he's kind of got a clear purpose statement in life. It's very clear. My purpose is to go where no one has heard about Jesus. Now, I say that to say there were several people that we see in Scripture that had a purpose or a clear statement. Peter, his purpose in life was to stay right in Jerusalem. He never left. He attended to the church in Jerusalem and to the Jews there. Apollos had a different purpose. He was to build on other people's foundations. He went and where Paul was and he would mature the church and grow and do the work of the ministry. What I want you to see here is there was no one particular calling for every person, but there was one purpose, to glorify God by being on mission for him. For each one of you here today, there is a clear purpose in your life to make much of God by being on mission. Each one of you serve in a different place or capacity or role, and each one of you have the opportunity to define and understand God's purpose for you right where you are, right in your age stage in your life, right with your own gifts and abilities so that you can clearly glorify God and live for him. So today, as we look at Paul's purpose, I want to see how it, we can find our role right where we are. There are three things that we learn about fulfilling our purpose as a believer. The first is this. Number one, our purpose is to glorify God on mission. That is clear as we read these scriptures, but let us read verse 16 to 17. Paul says, to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, serving as a priest of the gospel of God. My purpose is that the Gentiles may be an acceptable offering sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I have no reason to boast in Christ Jesus regarding what pertains to God. Now, this is very interesting. We, we would say, why does Paul ask 
For the Gentiles, or his goal, is that they are an offering to God. I mean, was this a sick cult ritual? Is this something that he would slaughter one out of ten Gentiles and this would be his offering, his tithe to God? No. There was a clear calling that Paul had that he wanted his work among the Gentiles to be an acceptable worship offering to God. Let's take a step back for a second and ask this important question that I can say 100% for each believer here. When you were saved, your new purpose in life became this. Your chief goal is to, is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. That is now your purpose. Everything is filtered through that statement. We know that the scriptures support this in many different ways, that you are to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That is number one of a Christian. We are created to be worshipers. We were recreated to be worshipers. You see, we were created by God as humanity to worship him fully and rightfully, and yet, because of sin entering in the garden and every human ever since, we became rebels to God. We worshiped ourselves instead of him. And so when God came through saving grace and we were changed and we were saved, God recreated us to bring us back to be the right worshiper, to bring everything we do to glorify God. That is our chief and purpose goal. How do we accomplish this? Well, we, through evangelism and being on mission, it becomes our pure act of worship. This is what Paul is saying here. Paul says that the grace given to me by God leads to thankfulness, and look there in verse 16, seek the Gentiles to be an offering of worship. What Paul is saying here, hopefully make this clear, is that his act and goal of worship to God the way he believed that he could bring the most glory to God with his life is that if he was faithful in obedience and telling the Gentiles about Jesus, that if they were saved through his life, that this would be a pure act of worship. This act of worship that he brought that he, felt that he could result in thanksgiving to God and what God has done in his life was to tell the Gentiles about Jesus. Now what is stunning in this, as I read this, is that there is an act of total reversal going on in the, in the Old Testament law and where the Gentiles were and the Jewish faith, now through the gospel. Paul wanted his act of worship to be telling the Gentiles about Jesus. The Gentiles were forbidden to worship God in the temple. Yet, by through Paul's act of worship and the worship of others by evangelism, they have now come to saving faith and knowledge of Jesus. And guess what? They are brought to the throne of grace and now they worship along rightly to God. A total reversal. They were rejected, but through one man's act of worship, they have been saved through grace and are now able to worship God freely. So Paul's act or Paul's desire to bring worship to God resulted in the Gentiles now worshiping God. 
As he was faithful in obedience, they came to Christ, and now they're faithful in telling others about Jesus. The reality is, the first place, the goal of evangelism is to produce worshipers of God. The Bible says that the Father seeks worshipers. When we evangelize, we are recruiting new worshipers, someone who, are, who was once worshiping themselves now are changed to worship God. But on the other hand, worship provides the motivation for evangelism. It produces in us a desire to tell others about Christ. When Isaiah came face to face with all the glory of God, what was his response? Here I am, send me. The world needs to know how great a God who loves us. True worship causes us to worship. True worship causes us to witness. And so that is the result of our lives. The goal of our lives to bring the most glory to God results in us telling others about Jesus. David Platt says every saved person this side of heaven owes the gospel to every unsaved person this side of hell. So here, parent, if you're confused about your purpose, here it is. You glorify God by being clear in the home about the gospel, by sharing it, repeating it, sowing it in the hearts of your children so that they might grow up and be faithful in sharing the gospel themselves. Your act of worship results prayerfully in those children becoming worshipers of Jesus. Students, your act of worship is sharing the gospel in your sports teams or or your bands or whatever group that you work with so that one day your friend will worship God and share the gospel with others. In your workplace, you are bringing all glory to God by being faithful and sharing the gospel with your coworkers, with prayerfully the response of them coming to faith in them in the same way, becoming worshipers who share the gospel with others. Our purpose is to glorify God and being on mission goes hand in hand. The news for you today is be faithful where you are to bring glory to God right now. Where you are right now, be faithful in sharing the gospel. And the the good news is this, number two, God will empower you to fulfill your purpose. Verse 18, for I would not dare say anything except what Christ has accomplished through me by word and deed for the obedience of the Gentiles, by the power of miraculous signs and wonders, and by the power of God's Spirit. As a result, I have fully proclaimed the gospel from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum. God will empower you to fulfill your purpose. Now, in verse 19, we see the word power, dynamis, uh, repeated several times. And so, in many ways, Paul is saying to us, look, I have a powerful ministry. There is a, it's a amazing result of what God has done in my life. Now, let's be, let's be truthful today. He did have a powerful ministry. We are the result of the ministry of Paul. 2,000 years later, billions of Christians later, is a result of one man being faithfully obedient to his purpose and call and gifting to God. We are here, and we can say, yes, 
Paul had a powerful ministry because we are all here. His ministry to the Gentiles is a result, as a result, thousand years later, someone came and shared the gospel with us. But I want us to be clear here. Paul is not boasting about Paul. Paul is not boasting about himself. What were the words that he said here? But I would dare not boast in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus regarding what pertains to God. I would dare say anything except for what Christ Jesus accomplished through me. The miraculous signs and wonders. The work of the Holy Spirit. Paul had a very clear understanding. It was not his ability. It was not his work. It was not anything that he could do. It was God at work in him and through him. The, the hope for us today is that we might think the purpose of God in our lives to share the gospel might seem uh, too overwhelming, that we could never do it. Well, Paul says, you're right. It is overwhelming. But God does it through you. It is not you doing it yourself. Paul is saying here that it is the work of the Spirit in a faithful Christian that will bring about the purpose of glorifying God. Corey Ten Boom said, trying to do the Lord's work in your own strength is the most confusing, exhausting, and tedious of all work. But when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, then the ministry of Jesus just flows out of you. The promise is this. God will empower you to fulfill your purpose on mission. But it's up to you to respond, depend on the Holy Spirit, to use the gifts that the Spirit gives you to be used for God's glory. In the book, <clears throat> The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and there's a part in the, in, in the middle of the book where the white witch's power is starting to wane in Narnia. And as uh, Lucy and Peter and the gang are, are moving across to find Aslan, they are visited by Father Christmas or Santa Claus. And he says because of the, the power, her power is waning, he could come back and bring Christmas. And so he gives gifts to everybody. Mrs. Beaver gets a sewing machine. I don't know why beavers need sewing machines, but, but she gets one. Uh, Mr. Beaver gets a, his dam mended. But then he gives each one of the children a gift. Uh, Peter gets a, a sword and a shield. Susan gets a bow and arrow and she gets a horn. Lucy gets a dagger and a bottle of magic uh, cordial that will help heal any injury or ailment. And each one of them were given a gift that day. But these were not toys. These were not because it was Christmas. It was not because it was their birthday. It was not because he was just wanting to be kind. He gave them tools to be used in the fight with Aslan for Narnia. Friends, in the same way, the Holy Spirit gives you gifts, tools, to be a part of God's plan to redeem the world for him. He is giving you gifts and abilities and has given you them so that you could accomplish what he has called you to do. Do you depend on the Spirit to use your gifts? What gift are you using on mission? How are you depending on the Spirit each day? 
You know, it's funny. I have people come to me and they will say something to the effect of, you know, Pastor, I'm so excited. There had been somebody that I'd been wanting to talk to about Jesus for a while. And out of the blue, the conversation this week kind of just turned right to Jesus. I wasn't prepared for it, and I didn't start the conversation, but here I found myself right in the middle of a spiritual conversation. And all of a sudden, Pastor, you would not believe it. I said things that I knew that I never thought I could. I remembered things that I didn't think I could remember. There were things that I said that I knew that I should have, and guess what? I said them. That wasn't me, Pastor. It was God. You see, that person realized for the first time that if you are obedient and you just start, we let the Holy Spirit take over. What would it even be for you to practice that and allowing the Holy Spirit to use you? What if it would be for you to just say to a friend, using the word one-to-one even for an example. You might say, hey, you know, the Bible is the best-selling book of all time. Have you ever read it? Would you like to read it with someone? Hey, how about this this week? We meet for coffee. We read the Bible together. And at the end, I'll ask you, would you like to keep going? We'll just see how it goes. Would you like to meet? You know, maybe they might say yes. And I know what the first thing is going to happen in your brain. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Oh, no. Oh, no. What am I going to say? Uh, oh, my gosh. I'm not prepared for this. They're, you're going to check out like, Pastor, can I get 20 commentaries? Can I, can I get prepared for this? What am I going to do? What am I going to say? Well, I encourage you this. Open the Bible and let the Holy Spirit work. Depend on God. Yes, Prepare. But what might the Spirit do if you let him? What would the Spirit might do if you allow him to work? When you say yes to God, the Spirit will be at work. But too many of us, too many of us have been saying no. And trust God, he will use the gifts that he's given you to empower you to be on mission. The third thing we learn here is this. Our obedience brings Christ to the world. Verse 19, it says, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ from Jerusalem all the way around Illyricum. My aim is to preach the gospel where Christ has not been named, so I will not build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who were not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. Paul makes clear his purpose to take Christ to people who have not heard. And maybe we've forgotten the joy and the privilege and honor it is for us to be on mission for God. That we might be a part of God's plan in doing something to redeem the world. Paul uses here in verse 21 a quote from scripture. It's actually a quote from Isaiah 52, 15. So he will sprinkle many nations. Kings will shut their mouths because of him, for they will see what had not been told them, and they will understand what they have not heard. 
On many of our devices, we can zoom in and zoom out. It's best to not read things out of context. So maybe we pinch out and zoom out for just a second to say, who is this he will sprinkle the nations? When in chapter 52, we learn just a few verses earlier, this is the suffering servant. Well, who is the suffering servant? Well, maybe we need to swipe right uh, on the Bible and go to chapter 53. Who is this suffering servant? We find out that the, the suffering servant is one who was carried as lamb unto the slaughter, who will be crushed for our iniquity, who will bear our sin. In Isaiah 53, 12, therefore I will give him many as a portion and I will receive the mighty as spoil because he willingly submitted to death and was counted among the rebels. Yet he bore the sin of many and interceded for the rebels. Friends, who is the suffering servant? It is Jesus. What is Paul saying here? The, the, the unmistakable joy of a believer is that we get to tell an unknowing, lost world about Jesus. Paul reminds us the high privilege and honor and purpose to share Christ in the world. Let us not forget the argument of Romans that the world is inflicted by sin in Romans chapter 1. and sh- Romans chapter 3, that, we, that the wages of sin is death, that we are separated from God for all of eternity. Isn't this tragic? Isn't this tragic that we are left in sin, are lost forever? Yet we think that this might be unfair. Well, he goes on to even answer this to say that all the world has no excuse that the heavens declare that God is real and that we must look at him and find after him. So we are justly ignoring the majesty of God. So what is the hope of the world? Well, Romans tells us that Jesus died and through him, Jesus has been baptized into death that we might be raised to walk in newness of life, that we get to participate as Christians as part of God's rescue plan for all the world. We've been reading the Bible, and it is clear that there is a thread going from one garden to the other, from the Garden of Eden to the Garden in the New Heaven and the Earth, that God is taking lost people, presenting Christ as their Savior, and redeeming them until one day we will glorify Him as true worshipers in heaven for eternity. God is saving His people, and guess what, friends? We get to be part of it. We are part of God's plan for the nations. He did not give this plan to to the angels. He did not give this opportunity to to animals. He gave it to the redeemed sons and daughters of God to proclaim his name to all the world, to our neighbors and to the nations. It is up to us and the glory and honor and joy that we have to tell of his great name. And the the whole world, Bible tells us this, that it is part of us, each one of us playing our individual role of bringing the nations, of being, bringing the lost to God. Genesis 12, 3, he speaks to Abraham, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will, bless, I will curse, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Exodus 9, 16, but I have raised you up for this very purpose, that I might show you my power, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Joshua 4, 24, he did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful 
sorrowful, and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. 1 Kings 8.60, so that all peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God and there is no other. Psalm twenty two twenty seven. all the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord and all the families of nations will bow down before him. Daniel seven fourteen. the son of man, he was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshiped him. His dominion, an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. Luke 24, 47, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will, repre- will be preached in his name to all nations. Acts 1, 8, be my witnesses in all Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Romans 16, 26, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God so that all nations might believe and obey. Galatians 3, 8, the scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham all nations will be blessed through you. Philippians 2, uh, 2, 10 and 11, that at the name of Jesus, every knee, every knee should bow in heaven on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 1 Timothy 2, 3 and 4, this is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. And finally, Revelation 5, 9, and they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. Who? Jesus, because you were slain and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. To the glory of God, Jesus is redeeming all people to his Father. And friends, we get to be a part of this plan. God has started a rescue operation in which you are part of. The purpose of this calling is your calling as a Christian to be a part of redeeming people to God. When I ask people, what do they normally say? What do you want to do with your life? Well, I want to be a great doctor, one of the best heart surgeons in the world, a corporate lawyer, a lawyer who does pro bono work to help the oppressed, a professional basketball player, buy a nice house for my mom. I want to own a business. I want to teach third graders. I just want to make a good living in six figures so I can retire early one day. Or I just want to provide for my family. Or I met one guy one time who said he wanted to have the largest sports car collection on earth. And you know, most of those things are fine. They're nice. They're good goals. They're great goals. I'd even say that those are good things to maybe shoot for. But when I ask, what does that agenda have to do with God's agenda? You should see the kind of the stunned silence in many people's faces. You see, it's okay to have great ambition. But if your ambition doesn't align with his ambition... If you're not looking for your will in God's will, you've lost something of a greater purpose, a more lasting purpose. 
If your life is not part of that greater purpose, from God's purpose, it's purposeless, it's wasted, and even if you do some really good things with it, you've missed the point. So here it is. Your purpose is to glorify God. And you do that by leveraging your gifts, your talents, and your life stage for evangelism, for telling people about Jesus. So your challenge today is this. Would you be willing to offer a blank check to the Lord today? Would you be willing to sign your name at the bottom of the check? I know many people don't write checks anymore. But you would be willing to sign your name at the bottom of the check and let God fill out the rest? That you could say, God, for your glory and your honor, would you use me to bring many people to your name that, Lord, whatever you ask of me, I will do. No matter where you have put me right now as a student, as a parent, as a person in work, or that wherever you might use me, that I will use it uh, to expand my life to bring you glory and honor. And will you be faithful to that? Or maybe you're here today as an invitation of a friend. Maybe you're here still questioning the Christianity thing. Maybe the first step for you today is become a worshiper of Jesus Christ. Maybe you need to respond to say, I need Jesus to change me. I know he's the answer to life. And I want to follow him. No matter how far you've gone from God, through Jesus, you can be restored. You can be restored to a faithful worshiper of God and all of your life can be used to bring him glory. So whether you're starting your worship experience today by following him for the first time or you've been following for 40 or 50 years, can you say, I am spending my life to his glory and honor? Let's pray that for our lives today. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word and the example that is through the scripture that the goal and purpose of our life is to bring others to you, to proclaim your great name. We pray this morning, God, that you would use our hearts and our lives, that you would use us to define and to display your glory, that you would use our lives for your purpose, that you would bring in our lives someone even this week that needs to hear about you. That we would leverage every part of our life to tell others about you. And I pray for someone here that maybe doesn't know you as a personal savior, that today they would no longer run, but they would run to you and be saved. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Hebron Baptist Church. We pray as you have listened, the Holy Spirit has worked in your heart that you may faithfully follow Him. Most importantly, we hope that you've been drawn into a relationship with God. At Hebron, we believe that the gospel is the central message of the Bible. The gospel is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, who was born of the Virgin Mary, lived a sinless life, and died for our sins. But he was raised from the dead and ascended to the right hand of God. The most appropriate response to hearing this good news is turning from sin and turning to Christ.
Don't stay far from God. Instead, repent and believe in Christ and be brought into an intimate relationship with Him. If you would like more information about this life-changing decision, please contact us through our website at hebronbaptist.org or even better, come see us on a Sunday morning. May God bless you as you follow Him. (music) 